Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Pod Stallions. I am Brian, and I'm not only the president of Para Club for Men, but I'm also a client. And with me to my left is Jason, who, to my chagrin, is not a client. <laughs> because Maury's wigs don't come off. I thought you were a theater wig man. I do. I do prefer the theater wig. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. If it does happen, I'm going with the theater wig. Mm-hmm. Because I like how it how they fall, you know. Right. Fall, they fall forward. That that rocket, as I as I call it, the Cliff C chord look. Oh yes, absolutely. You know the way those those bangs fall. Uh, oh, well, it's nice to hear your so voice. Dreamy. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, we did say we'd do two in December, and by God, we brought it right up to. <laughs> we got right to the finish line. Right to the finish line. <laughs> Here we are. Never let it be said. <laughs> We don't we don't bring it in on time. So uh, with that, and we will be launching this episode on New Year's Eve. We're going to do our best of right now, um, because I don't think anything that great is going to happen in between now and that that we have to reevaluate. Do you do you agree with that? I would agree with that. So. We're going to do what we call the Retro Awards. We've been doing them for eight years now. Um, yeah. I think I, I think I started the Retro Awards prior to that, but then we just basically moved it into the podcast when we started that. And it is just a celebration of film and television and music and books and things we're into and toys, of course. And um, <laughs> I'll never forget... Uh, the the one bit of feedback we got from one of these episodes was um, Marvel fanboys. So, <laughs> wait, what was what what was the I don't feedback? know. We just got like some really negative review that just said Marvel fanboys, and there was another weird one oh, that said, more. "Look at these people trying to tell artists how to work," and it's like, what? Like I didn't you know, I didn't even understand. You know you know what's funny about that? Of anybody that, that does a podcast, of anyone that's out there giving opinions, we we are we are the least, you know, I would have done it differently. It would have been better. <laughs> yeah. We are we are literally the last two people that would say, you know, what they should have done and what I would have preferred. You know, we can give opinions, but we certainly aren't the armchair. You know, I've been listening to one recently and I won't name it, but it's 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 good. Um, because, you know, you get a lot of, you know, film uh, people and actors and directors on talking about their favorite things, this and this. And there's still this this inherent need to say, you know, it would have been great. But there's that one scene and it's like, oh, man, every everything, everybody has to do it. I don't think we really do that. You know, so. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I always look at it like if I can't do if I don't have a better idea than they do then what am I going to say? And um, I often don't have good ideas. So that's true. I can, I can, 
Oh, yeah, no, it's definitely true. Uh, no, but the idea that um, I can't, I, I, it's, sometimes you just want to accept things for what they are. You know, you just want to go like, I liked this. It's fine. Um, not everything needs a deep cutting analysis, in my opinion. You know? Yes. Um, yes. But, I agree. Uh, I mean, I'll, 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 you know, I'll certainly in person, you know, spar with someone if they oh, you sure. know, appreciate something I don't. Um, but, you know, uh, I don't feel the need to broadcast it to anybody, you know, but that's interesting. What the only two notes we got on the on the best of that's that's interesting. Yeah, no, those aren't the only two notes. There's, oh, oh, there's okay. those are the only two negative notes. And I was oh, just being sarcastic. There's tons of of good feedback from this and you can see it on the YouTube channel and in our Facebook group. Um, no, no, I, I just, I just remember like mainly because I didn't understand those negative, you know, like negative comments are usually criticisms and you want to, you want to learn from them, but I didn't understand them. I didn't understand mm-hmm. what, what they were trying to even say. Um, Cause I don't count myself as a Marvel fanboy. I've liked some of their films. I don't like some of their films it's that's what i thought too like that's funny yeah yeah go there oh well well we'll show them this year that's all right shakes fist um movies so let's what's that it's, it's all dc movies this year I, i'm just doing all skiing films uh, oh. skiing documentaries even better i've never skied in my life but damn it it's my passion um uh, yeah so <laughs> That's funny you bring that up. Our first category is favorite films of 2021. And I would like to hear your first one, Jason. Well, now, are we doing it in order? I forget how we do this. Or just just what is what is. I don't the, really have an order. No, okay. I, I did. Maybe we did at one time. Well, I think it would be ridiculous of me um, to not start with this. Um, especially, you know, people have listened to the show and know what oh. I'm into. Oh yeah, okay. I should have known this. Say my movie of the year is Dune, the new version of Dune. Um, I was absolutely blown away by it. You know, I'm of course biased uh, because of the director, because of you know really digging everything he's done. Uh, But that's also what what got me hopeful about it was like, yeah, you know, it goes back to the Blade Runner thing we always talk about. Like, I didn't need another one. But as we got closer and more names got mentioned, you know, that's when I went, oh, this could be really interesting. And only to be, you know, pleasantly, very pleasantly surprised and really into it. Um, uh, the smartest thing he, he did um, was, you know, say, I'm going to break it up into two films, you know, and luckily we get another one. Um, now, was that, sorry, I, I, you no. know, I, I pay attention, I have one eye open. But was that not completely evident to people or did a lot of people walk in thinking they were going to get a complete film? I don't think I don't. I think most people that I've talked to and most of the response that I've kind of seen, people didn't know that it was going to end the way that it did, that there was a second part. Anybody that sort of followed the production of it um, knew that it was it was only going to you know bring it up so far. Uh, but I think your average Joe just kind of went, oh, you know, because. Um, you know, it, 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 I, I, I assume that the, the, the majority of people that went to see it, you know, didn't necessarily read the book or really have reference for it or, or know it. And they, he did a, he did a wonderful job of making it accessible and making a really stunning, um, 
achievement. It's just I, I, I would I would put it right next to uh, 2049 as something that uh, it's hard to think of movies that, you know, I always talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark as this, you know, for me, it's 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 like a near perfect film. You know, like The Godfather is like a, a perfect, like every scene, every moment um, it's working on, you know, all cylinders and in moving the story forward. And both Blade Runner 2049 and Dune, um, the economy with the way he told these stories, um, not in an overabundance of dialogue, not in uh, too much exposition, in assuming that the viewer is smart enough to be paying attention and knows that if a character looks across the room at a certain item that's over there that should be near him, that that spells trouble for what's about to happen. Just little things like that. And um, just just beautifully done. Um, and everybody in it, I thought, was just great. So um, that really knocked me out. I'm so glad that we're getting at least one more for this story. That's that's nice. I, I have not seen it. Um, as you know, I, I'm not... Um the world's biggest Dune fan, but um, my wife's uh, co-worker um, is a humongous fan, raved about it, and made my wife watch it. Oh, wow. And uh, I don't know when she watched it, but, it, you know, I've been kind of an absentee husband for the last uh, three months, what with the book and the magazine and all the other stuff going on in my life. And she... Um, she she liked it very much. Okay. Uh, yeah, she, uh, you know, because like she said, do you want to watch it with me? I said, eh, I'm okay. Um, and she said, you know, it's a bit slow. Um, it, um, she she said it was a decent film, and she really enjoyed it's, it. And and and, it, and she's right. It is it is not a, but that was you know we've talked about the property itself. I think several times you know, doing the show, that was always one of the, beyond the imagination, beyond the, the density of the book and everything else, it's not a slam bang adventure. It's not a, it's not a pulp adventure that, that moves quickly. It takes its time and it, it establishes things. And so that was always the worry, I think, of, of you know, how is this going to be accessible? Because it's, it's, um, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it takes its time. It takes and... its time. I get some of the concepts in it. I, I like I, I've I've told my Dune story actually in our Dune episode where you know like I had a friend who took me to it and then acted like I was a simpleton who could never figure out Dune. You know, right. and I, I understood the film very well and I liked it. I just didn't think it was a um, it was an ugly presentation. You know, but I'll um, say I'll, here's the thing that, that that's as a, and we've mentioned this before as well too, but versus the '84 one, because he had to cram so much in because it was one one film yeah. of the book. This one, there are so many phrases and so many so much terminology and so many little things that don't even get a mention. That they just kind of they tell the audience what this person is or what they do in a different way with a line of dialogue or a quick look or whatever it is. And you go, Oh, that's the guy who's a human computer or whatever. You don't, the things that, that you didn't need that sort of dragged it down before because he felt like he had to get everything in. Yeah. Um, so it, it is, it is more, it is more accessible and it's um, good. And it, yeah, no, I, I do plan to watch it, but just on my own terms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, 
I actually would be really curious to know what what you would think of it because the, the expectation is low because it's not something you you know you're, you're not really you know into necessarily but it could surprise you as as a um because it really is a it, 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 you know it really is a tragedy i mean it's it, i don't say it's a tragedy but it's the 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 it's not what what people generally think the story is it's much darker and it's more uh, there's there's elements of that i really like and yeah. um but there's, you know, like I said, it, it's not high on my list to see. But, but um, hey, Timothy's but, dreaming. You know how much you like. I, I get lost in those blue pools of his eyes. Yes. He, he but if I knew who he was, <laughs> I don't know. He was on Saturday Night Live once and I was like, who's this kid? Um, I have to say, I he he is he is very good. I just saw him in um, recently in uh, the French Dispatch, too. and He's just. He's great. I can't wait to see what he does. But he's he's not just a pretty face. I think he's got some chops. Mm. Well, no, that's good. I, I expected that to be on your top. Uh, All right, what's your? Give me yours. Okay. Well, I, I wanted you to go first because my first on this list is uh, the Suicide Squad. I um, yeah, I I did not really think that the original Suicide Squad was all that great. Um, I just thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I really could not get over how James Gunn uh, made this so good um, and, and made these characters that I don't give a crap about mm-hmm. worth giving a crap about. And this film bombed, and it shouldn't have. Um, it should have done as good as Captain Marvel, in my opinion, which I couldn't sit through. Um, it, it, I think it, I think it lost under the weight of the DCU being so disappointing. Did it? Did, it, did, did it? Did it bomb? Did it, it was did a financial it? disappointment, and it's the best DC movie I've seen in a long time. And, um, you know, that's pretty sad because it doesn't have a single, uh, you know, A-list character in it. (laughs) And um, but, yeah, I I think it's just that, you know, I I like James Gunn. I like James Gunn's work a lot. And um, this was. This was so much fun. I loved the interplay between uh, Idris Elba's uh, Bloodsport and. And, you know, John Cena, who yeah. I've always really liked, like my kid and I were talking about um, Schwarzenegger and comedies the other day and we were watching he was watching Jingle all the way. And I was like, please turn that off, you know, because it's horrible because Schwarzenegger has no comic timing. And, and um, he said, well, who would you remake this with? And I was like, well, I guess John Cena, but John Cena is actually funny, so it wouldn't work. <laughs> here's my thing about like like i think he's i think he's totally fun he's he's great Mm -hmm. it it, to me it's like he's he's getting into this danger of um you know it you're gonna get that same you know kind of lunkhead you know vibe and you you know like like there was the one the um the the amy schumer one i think he was in was that the one he was in he was like the boyfriend or something and um, just so he's, and he's great in all of them. But what I loved about this was, this was the thing that to me is like tailor made for, mm-hmm. for, 
like he just he was never too big it was never too much it was never um he just owned it from the moment he sort of shows up and starts talking yeah he's a he's a total as my friend says a penis the entire film and just delivered everything perfectly and i'm so looking forward to his spinoff series yes Um, and who the hell would ever say like i can't believe even though it's it's been a long time i can't believe i'm saying yeah i can't wait to see that peacemaker tv series where judo master makes an appearance like those aren't words i ever thought i'd issue you know isn't it kind Um, of like it's deja vu with um with guardians of the galaxy in the sense that yeah people you know plenty of comic people comics people knew the 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 characters knew the title but he he came in and did something with it that you know the mainstream the people that didn't know who these characters were completely embraced and i feel like he was he was trying to i think he was really trying to prove a point like what happened to him with marvel he turns oh yeah here let me take the worst things ever (laughs) yeah (laughs) look what i did and unfortunately he didn't spin it into liquid gold but that was a blu-ray i ran out and bought because i loved it so much but it did get a lot of i i I, I seem to recall the the, everybody being pretty glowing about it like it it's got it's a critical darling there's no there's no um and it should be it's just it's it's that good and of course you know uh you've got Probably Margot Robbie's last performance as Harley Quinn. Oh, that's a bummer. I didn't know that. Yeah, and 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 my God, does he treat that character well? Um, oh, it happens. in that film, and you know, it, it's ne- there's never pandering. Like you and I are in agreement on the other one too, the one, the Birds of Prey one that we. That yeah, we like, both loved it. Um, why does he hate this movie? It's not, you know, it's it's a fun romp. It's ridiculous, and it's. Hard, hardcore, but but yeah, they don't they don't pander with that character either. Like she just and she's so good in it. Yeah, she just no, so I, I, love, good. I love her. And um, freaking Capaldi, yeah. you know Capaldi uh, is great Capaldi. in it. Although yeah. he is really giving a Doctor Who speech in it to the point of like, oh, they I can see why they hired him. Uh, and, yeah, and he's just he, the 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 he it remind, he reminded me a little bit more of Malcolm Tucker to be honest with you. He, oh yeah, he, no, I can see that. Yeah, that, um, acerbic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and he's great in it. I mean, he's yeah. he's great in it, but um, there's nobody really giving a a bad performance in the film, and uh, you know, I even like David Oji, um, but the is it David Oji or is, is that, that the, is that the Steve Oji? Steve Oji. Oh, oh yeah, was, David Oji yeah. is a Canadian chef. Yeah. <laughs> And the guy, the polka dot man, what's his name? He's oh, that who, was a, that guy was amazing, David Deschum, David, yeah, yeah, that man. I first thing, just... I first thing I saw him in was actually a uh, uh, Denis uh, film, uh, which is called Prisoners. With uh, oh, I've heard of Prisoners, yeah, Hugh Jackman and uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Great. great, wasn't that fellow also in Dune? And he's also in Dune. That's right. And yeah. he's got a he's got a part, a small part in um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So he's become this. These big things have sort of gotten him, you know, uh, more noticed. And I think he was he was an Ant Man. He's one of the he's the Russian guy. And right, the, right, yeah, he's, he's wonderful in that. And 
big nerd too, I guess. Big, big, <laughs> big, big nerd. Well, well, we won't hold that against him. Um, and uh, I really loved Ratcatcher, the character of Ratcatcher and Ratcatcher 2. Um, and it's just nice to see uh, Taika Waititi in a film, mm-hmm. even if it's just a little small. <clears throat> Hits the heartstrings. Uh, yeah, just that was my favorite uh, film of 2021. It It's certainly one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. Great I movie. Great set- and, and just phenomenal soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I th- in fact, I didn't, I felt like when I had it on first, I, I did not give over to it completely. I don't know what, what was going on, but when I watched it a second time, that's when I really started to love it. Like, Oh, this is, this is much better than I, re- I remember the first viewing. I don't know what happened, um, but it's it's great. And I got I picked up the Blu-ray uh, right. <clears throat> yeah, me too. I I just had to have it, and I uh, spent a Sunday afternoon uh, <clears throat> just absorbing the extras. Yeah, me too. Watched me- it with commentary. Um, did everything. I just had to to watch the whole thing. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, did you did you have like a retail exclusive? No, I just went to Sunrise Records and bought it. I I don't even remember if there was any sort of exclusives available. I found like the last one at um, at Target, and it's what like, was it? It comes with like a set of art cards of the characters. Oh. And it's really nice, like nice packaging where like the, the logo area is like cut out, like die cut when you put the movie in behind it. And um, oh, I feel shafted yeah. now. I grabbed it. Yeah. Um, OK, that's a great thing. I agree about that now. Um, in no order, I'll give my 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 next one. I'm only doing list of three. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this is a movie that I had seen a trailer for a while ago. And um, I like this director's work overall. Like, I think just about everything he's done has been interesting and good. And But I, I love going into something. You see the trailer and, you you know, sometimes you get a great trailer and you go, can't wait to see this. And then you, you spend two hours with it and you go, that was not what I thought this was going to be. It was not what I was hoping it was going to be or it didn't go anywhere. Or it didn't wrap up. This one delivered. <laughs> it's a horror film called Antlers. Uh, oh, I've heard of that. Scott Cooper, uh, executive produced by Cooper and um, uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro. Okay. And Cooper did, you know, uh, Crazy Heart and um, Out of the Furnace and um, Hostiles. Like, he's got a real eclectic uh, body of, of work that he's done. But, man, this thing was, you know, um, I shouldn't say too much about it. It's just... Uh, it's dark. It's really dark. And it's got a it's sort of an undercurrent of some social commentary on uh, a particular aspect of, of America, of an area. Um, and you think it's going along a certain way. And that's what I thought. I started going, oh, this is maybe this is more metaphor than actual horror. And then it starts taking these turns and it's like, holy shit. Um, Carrie Russell is uh, is the lead. And uh, oh, what's uh, Felicity? Felicity is the lead. It's actually she's playing Felicity in the in the film. This oh, good. She, so she says she has her hair. 
after working at the uh, the, the uh, market. Um, what, what what's the guy I'm thinking? Oh, what's his name? You know, he's married to um, or he's with um, Eddie Deason. Eddie Deason. Eddie Deason is the second lead, and it's it's this is sort of his comeback film. Um, Good because he could use it. Who's the guy? You know, you know Kirsten Dunst, the guy she's with. You know no. him. Got like red hair. He's got a mustache in most things. Oh come on! I can't believe I can't think of this. Um, very low key sort of sort of actor. Um, but he's he's uh, he plays her, her brother in it. He's like the sheriff or the deputy or something. Um, great movie. I was really knocked out when the credits rolled. I was like, wow, that was something. Um, hmm. Very cool visuals. Um, so it was a nice a nice surprise to uh, check that out. Most horror that I've watched tends to sort of fizzle out. Like the the one last year was um, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, um, done by Jim Cummings, and I was raving about that because I love his work too. But um, and that that was really doing a, a you know a werewolf story and sort of turning it on its ear. Um, and I was so impressed with it. Well, this thing, you know, you you, you I watch a lot of horror and it. Rarely do they do they pay off. Is it do you do you really get a satisfactory wrap up or explanation or the third act kind of falls apart? I thought this was was terrific, so I recommend it. Oh, really good. I will check out Antlers. Excellent. I'm going to go go to my next one. And uh, sorry, I, I just had to take care of something there. Um, nobody was my next one. Oh, that was great i thought that was great yeah um i saw a lot of films this year and i i really can't remember a lot of them but nobody and i know it's it's built on that john wick thing but the casting of bob odenkirk who i adore i mean i, I love bob odenkirk as this kind of like you know deadly cia assassin that's mm-hmm. you know like a what is that like a like a telephone thing from you know the old bronson movies mm-hmm. it's just brilliant it just really worked as a film and you've got christopher lloyd who everyone likes and you've got rizza um i'm a big fan of rizza when he's in front of the camera uh not so much when he's in, when he's behind it but you know um mm-hmm. and yeah i I ate this film up with a spoon. I really did. And uh, it would be my second favorite film of the year. Nice. I, it was, yeah. you know, I kind of knew what it was going to be, you know, sort of from, from the trailer, but it doesn't matter. Oh yeah. It, it was pretty it apparent. Was, yeah. It was executed really well. And he did, you know, I think you and I are, you know, we probably loved this guy for so long, you know. Oh my God. Yeah. Career for so long it's like this is this is you know he just he's just great in it you know it was um yeah a story that that had, that has been told before but it doesn't matter i can i can see one like that every year if it's done well it doesn't matter it's proof that you know you can you can you know, there's only so many concepts out there but if you do them well i'll i'll freaking turn up i don't care and he's just great mm-hmm. yeah no i i I really enjoyed that film, and uh, I hope to revisit it soon. Uh, I actually, What's I believe, your second one? I believe I, or is, I think I have the I, DVD, actually, of Nobody. 
I don't yet. Um, yeah. But I yeah. think I might pick it up. It was on sale. Um, so, um, boy, I had a tough time with this because it's like, you know, three movies. We're going to pick three. And, like, I've seen so much stuff this year. But um, I just went, wait a minute. Why don't I just, you know, come out with it? And uh, I'm going to give my third one to uh, Godzilla versus Kong. You are? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, because I thought about that a I'm lot. Like, you know what? Um, um, I, Kong, you know, I love, uh, I loved Skull Island. And I guess these are spoilers here. We for, share that. You know, I, but this one, you know, my, my fear, like, I can't take it in a movie when like bad things happen to, to animals, you know, like, like even, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, even like some monsters too, you just like, you know, cause I was always that kid too. It was like, why are they beating him? Like, why are they trying to kill this monster? Like he's leave him alone. He just wants to. Um, and so I really liked that, that Kong was handled the way he was. And I just thought it was pure madness. Like it was, it really felt like it was trying to embrace the craziness of, the original films with, you know, you know, center of the earth and, you know, all these kinds of creatures and things. And, you know, he's a king and whatever. It's like it was it was kind of bonkers. And that's one of the reasons I, I think I think it. you're absolutely right. I, I I share your opinion. I didn't put it on my list, mm -hmm. but I didn't walk away hating it. I just was like, that was insane. Like that was little kid dumb. Yes. But I still I still kind of like was like, all right. Let's just watch like sometimes you just want ice cream. And, um, yeah. you yeah. know, when I start to think about it, <laughs> these are movies about, you know, giant dinosaurs that were played by guys and they were always ridiculous. And um, they started very serious. And I really I really actually have enjoyed the Godzilla trilogy. But. <sighs> You're, you're building something. The building blocks of it are, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I didn't, you know, you start to just begin to accept, um, God, like, didn't Godzilla blow a hole to the center of the earth? Yeah. And then Kong jumped down. And you're just sitting there like, all right, like, how is this dumber than Vin Diesel flying his car into outer space um or the, or i've never seen a fast in the furious movie but i know, assume that happened well i think i think it opens with the guy uh the character that's working at that company like oh i saw some shit i, sh I shouldn't have seen then you get to the daughter from the previous one um yeah who, who and then suddenly they go well we can use these vehicles oh the ones that are top secret and they can get you know like like nobody knows how Godzilla to movies are always dependent on the ground crew and most Godzilla movies have terrible ground crews. But here's the, here's the <laughs> thing, and I and having you know you know even I got that um, oh what's his name uh, Gamera the 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 box the set that came out that um, oh, uh, oh I love those re you get the remakes the one the ones from like the early '90s to mid '90s those yeah I saw those in the theater they were they they were like the audience was roaring okay so um, here's Here's they were thing. so fun. I I love these the, the, these kinds of you know the monster the monster movies the Godzilla movies kind of the big you know kaiju type things love it. Um, even the stuff 
that I, I you know, love from childhood. I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of this stuff is a slog for me because oh, in, hell yeah. in a 90 minute movie, I'm really only getting about 12 minutes of a monster or two monsters doing their thing. Sometimes I don't mind. Sometimes it's cool just to look at the threads, you know, and the cars and the craziness and the, you know, little fairies running around and stuff. Um, but sometimes I just want to get to the monsters. And this thing delivered on both both characters, if you will, both monsters. You got your money's worth. Yeah, you, got, you absolutely did. Fine. Finally, because even the one, even the King of the Monsters, which I think is is very good. Um, I love stuff, it. Yeah. There's the stuff with the mom and there's the stuff with the thing and the thing. It's like when when it comes to life, when, you know, Ghidra shows up and when, you know, shit really kicks off. Um, that's what I, that's what I want to get to. And I feel like of any of them besides Skull Island, which was, you know, setting things up. This one did a great I, job. I love Skull Island. Yeah. This one was just like, let's just go for it. Like, just monsters to the left, monsters to the right. Just, you know, <laughs> have fun. in the middle with them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, love- I, I, you know what, dude? I, I didn't want to include that, but it was close to being on my list. There you go. There you go. It's, 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 it was crazy, but a good kind of crazy, you know? Sorry, I had my mute on. I was sneezing. No, no worries. And I just, I just love that version of Kong. I love his looks. I love yeah. his face. Now he, he's, he gives you empathy. You love him. And that was a, you know, I will say this about the modern interpretations of Godzilla and King Kong. I don't want them to fight. I want them to love each other because I like both of them. That's and ex- that's, yeah, exactly. I hate and, it and when mommy and daddy fight. There's that moment of just like, you know, I don't, I feel like people, everyone should have seen this by now, but there's that moment of kind of like, okay, all right, okay, okay, whatever, you win, whatever. And then, hey, let's team up, (laughs) you know, like, like I just, like, yeah, this is what, this is what I want, you know, and uh, at at the end of King of the Monsters, there's a part where all the monsters kneel at Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. I remember in the theater, I was like, that's right, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're kneeling. Better Neil. Yeah, <laughs> I love I love that about modern Godzilla is that he appears to be just a complete badass. And, yeah. Uh, he also he's but he's he's also slightly benevolent where he can go. I don't need to I don't need to rip your head off. I think I've proved my point. I think I've yeah. made my. I'm a giant badass, and you've shown your belly. That's therefore <laughs> exactly exactly. <laughs> I feel like they got they got a handle on it, you know. I didn't I didn't love. No, I I, I do too. I, I really do, and uh, I I couldn't believe it was in your top three, but I will say it was like in my top six. There you go. So yeah, and my third one for this year would be a film that surprised me called Save Yourself. Uh, it is about a hipster couple. Yes, I saw it. Yeah. You go away to a cabin and there's an alien invasion. And that's all I'm going to say about the film. I thought I was going to turn this off within. Like, I'd read a good review. Maybe it was the Terry Talks Movies guy. I can't remember who did it. But somebody praised it. And I said, this sounds like a movie my wife and I would love. My wife is a big science fiction fan. Mm-hmm. And... um. We sat through the whole thing because 
the leads, despite being kind of like the annoying urban hipster types, were actually so likable. And the film had such a great buildup of, you know, they're just so oblivious to this alien invasion. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes sense because they're in the middle of the woods. They've decided to turn their phones off, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I couldn't believe how compelled I was to watch this film. Uh, it didn't end the way I liked it, but apparently it's going to spin off into a series now. Well, and, that makes sense because it's just like, you know, it, it, it. I thought it was good. I thought it was some, there were some fun ideas. I liked the back and forth. The things then you start they start to annoy each other and little things yeah. you know, why didn't you do this and why don't you go and just the way they sort of you know tackled the situation but I feel like it it kind it it kind of didn't quite know what it wanted to be because it, it yeah. you know the moments where it gets you know very serious like very dark you know as, as with with other characters kind of like you know you know things you know happen and then of course the you know the finale I just went what the hell's going on? Yeah, there, there better be an explanation for that finale. And I, I will, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but yeah, you do kind of sit there and scratch your head at the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a fun journey regardless. And I hope there's a, um, I hope there's a follow-up to it because I am actually interested in these characters. You um, know, I think you, that's, that's a great, cause it's, that's a great, um, I think it was first time, first time director maybe. I, mean, I looked them up. When yeah. I, um, I thought it was very, you know, assured. And it's it's that kind of gentle humor that you see in stuff like uh, what we do in the shadows. Yes. Um, and and uh, I always like those kind of journeys. Like you're just following these people and you're surprised as they are. And um, yeah, you know, it just kind of worked for me. And yeah. It, um, movie yeah it's and the two leads are fantastic in it and like i said you know i was expecting some sort of tim and eric bullshit yeah and you know uh tim and eric by the way showed up in an episode of community my wife was watching the other day and i was like those guys are a big deal with people 15 years younger than us (laughs) that's all i could say because she didn't know who they were did you ever get into um did you ever watch Search Party? Did you ever watch that show? No, never heard of oh, it. Oh, you you should I'd be you should you should try it. I think they did three series. I think it's it's up streaming somewhere. But that dude um is the um you know boyfriend slash ex boyfriend of the lead character in this series Search Party. Uh oh. about a, a, you know these these you know hipster you know uh, Gen Zers. Uh, someone, a, a, a friend of a friend of a friend kind of thing goes missing. And this one, the lead character starts to get obsessed about it. It's very, very hmm. fun, very bitchy, very, very assert, really goes after that, the generation and the self being self obsessed and whatever. But he's the, he's one of the leads in it. And, um, and he's also in um, Stranger Things. He was, he's the uh, part of the police force in uh, Stranger Things, or he certainly was. Oh, okay. Season one or one and two, I think. So I like that dude. I can't think of his name, but I but I like him. Mm. I'm going to throw up an honorable mention um, that I, I wanted to mention because it's so what the you know huh? Um, the P, I think people should look for it. There is a movie called The Show, 
that came out a couple months ago streaming, and it is written by Alan Moore, and Alan Moore is Uh-oh. in it. And what? Uh, he's he's oh my god! Why, why there was a meeting and I wasn't well. Here's uh, invited. Here's the thing: they did a series of shorts with the, some of the same cast and put them up on some website, you know, a couple years ago. Like he's been he's been trying to get this thing financed for years, and they finally oh, came f- up with the you know three three and a half million dollars or whatever it is to 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 do it. Who wouldn't give Alan more money at this point? It's, it's, just, it's crazy. Well, then, then like lockdown happened and then they had some other okay. issues. They filmed it all in Northampton, which is, you know, where he's from and what he you know writes about. A lot. <laughs> so. and, but 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 he said that the, the, the thing that was great about filming it there was you know, not it's not great. It's sad was that so many businesses had gone away or gone under or like the, the city was just thrilled to have anything you know going on there. And they they were able to, to do this thing. Um Probably not many faces that anybody would recognize, but the lead um, actor um, is, oh, no, I can't think of his name. It's Tom something, but he's one of those faces that you'd recognize. Like, he played Orson Welles in um, The Man. Tom Burke? Tom Burke, yes. Tom Burke, great. Um, he was in the British, uh, the original version of, um, what was that, uh, what was that, what was that series about the comic book? That the the author that everybody... oh that show what what the heck is the name of that show um, I don't think of it now but he was in season yeah two. I, I was, know that show he's great and he's the lead and it's it's hard to even describe what this thing is but he's going to this town to find answers about there's magic involved there's and and it's very Alan Moore like just just when you see a bumper sticker go by or a poster in a window like it's it's conceptually it's 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 very Alan Moore and it 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 I think it kind of holds together and I hope they get to make more of them it's it's um it kind of felt like reading one of his you know America what was it called America America something comics that he did mm. all- Every did years later when he oh started. yeah yeah no i can't remember what that's so called you can find it find it and give it a give it a try and more shows up in it um in a in a supporting role it's a very trippy supporting role <laughs> oh i'm here exactly uh, so what is your third pick for best film of 2021 well that was my that those were our three we did dune and i did uh uh, antlers and we did godzilla versus kong Those, that was oh my like, gosh i'm sorry i just don't we have know to, how to count we're having so all much, right <laughs> we gotta go to the next category all right the next category is television and um i don't watch a lot of this but uh and i'm not sure if you do or, uh, or not but what were you what was your number one tv show this year well well you know, TV show means so many different things now where it's like, oh, yeah, no, I uh, so I thought of it. One in terms of mine is YouTube right now. Yeah. Whatever's like a, a streaming thing or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And it's more of a mini series than a series. But Fine. anybody that knows me and has listened to the show probably knows the answer. Um, number one for me is the Beatles Get Back documentary. I knew that was coming. Well, um, I've watched it twice. I'm halfway through my third viewing. Um, it's That's just, to, I, I clearly am biased and they're, you know, my religion and I know so much about this band and yet it's still, 
there are still layers to this thing that are really extraordinary. And I would I would say it's probably the best rock documentary ever in the sense that there's there's nothing else that exists that shows the process, shows, you know, pe- people of this sort of fame and the you know the biggest ever to be in a room to see things sort of come to life. And there's also things that happen in it that are if you had written them in a movie about a band that was on the rocks, kind of, they would seem cliched. Like, like there are so many little moments or little lines that are said that you go, God, if you wrote that in a script, someone would go, come on, that's pretty corny. Like, that didn't really happen. And, you know, if you know enough about the story of the band at this time, where things were headed, where they had been, what each of them were going through at the time, but it's just you really are a fly on the wall to see um, to see these these people try to put something together. And it's it's I mean, he Jackson took I think it was he had 60 or 70 hours of footage uh, and then 120 hours of audio. Good Lord. Originally it was going to be a feature. And then, of course, COVID. And then he started working on it as um a miniseries and then he, he presented it to to Disney and the Beatles and said, I think it needs to be like three three nights. So we'll, you know, six hours, two hours a night. And they just went, oh, okay, yeah, it sounds good. Okay. And then he went back at it. And then he said that he was um doing another edit that he thought was, you know, for DVD, for like an extended DVD release. And he started to do it and Disney came and was, ah, no, don't bother. We're not going to. And he said, what? And they said, yeah, we don't, you know, we don't really do much with the DVDs. We don't do like extended things. And I don't think there's not a lot of big market for that. So, you know, don't bother. But he went ahead and did it anyway. And so what you end up getting is an eight hour documentary because nobody knew until the day that it hit that you know, it wasn't two hours. It's like two hours, 20 minutes. The first one, the second one's like two forty. Um, so he just, he went ahead and did an eight hour version, submitted it. Nobody said anything. And we've got this eight hour, you know, documentary now. Oh, I'm um, glad I'm, I'm happy for fans of the Beatles and I've heard good things. Yeah. Um, but I've not, I haven't heard from you about it and I know you are, you're hardcore dude. So, uh, that that's wonderful. Yeah, it's um, there's a lot of magical stuff that that even if I've read it in books or seen things or heard things, there's still these these moments when it really happens and you're really hearing it or seeing it. It's 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 incredible um, that they're still, you know, 50 years after the they're done. You know, it's 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 great. So I love. Yeah, that's my number one. Yeah, I I don't really have a number one, but. The one of the things that really surprised me this year is a another docu series called The Center Seat by Nacelle, and um, you know Nacelle is my publisher for Rack Toys, and they they seem to have their hands in everything. But they were doing a Star Trek um, documentary series, and I got to be honest with you, like I've seen a lot of Star Trek documentaries. I've watched ones on stuff like Deep Space Nine, and I don't even like Deep Space Nine. <laughs> so I kind of was sitting there like, what are they going to do? But, you know, like, again, I was working on the book, and I like chatter while I'm laying out pages, you know? I like to listen to things. Mm-hmm. So I put it on, 
and I binged it. Uh, I'm still, I've actually just discovered while we were talking, I have a new episode that I haven't seen and I'm excited to see it. This is a very different Star Trek documentary in that it, it does take, it, it kind of like excludes like, you know, Shatner and Nimoy, although they're, they're quoted and, and that sort of thing, but it's really talking to the people who worked on it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I gotta tell you, dude, like the episodes revolving around like the motion picture are hilarious mm-hmm. because, um, they're, they're, I can't remember the guy's name, but there's a dude who wrote the motion picture. He's a very accomplished writer. Um, he hated Roddenberry. He wanted to kill him. Mm-hmm. And um, and Roddenberry is not uh, portrayed very well here. It's it's portrayed as very real. Like Roddenberry had addiction issues. He had control issues. And, you know, also sympathetically, he had been really screwed by Paramount. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's very interesting what happens. And of course, if you've ever seen that uh, that one about the uh, problems on the bridge, you know that that one of the about the Shatner did it. It was it was a good documentary about the creation of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh, um, I know of it. I don't think it's chaos on the bridge. It's excellent. You should check it out. Okay. Uh, this kind of gives a different side to that story where um, Roddenberry's attorney drove everyone crazy. Like, where the, you know, David Gerald wanted to kill him. D.C. Fontana wanted to kill him. And he was a real creep. But that attorney was the reason that Roddenberry ever got any money from Paramount. Mm. You know, like he had been really royally effed by Paramount. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a story in this episode uh, of The Center Seat where he's playing... He hadn't gotten any money from, you know, Star Trek. He was a 20% owner of it. And I think Shatner was an owner of it. And they hadn't gotten any money. And uh, Roddenberry was just playing golf with a uh, Paramount lawyer. And that guy just whispered to Roddenberry, yeah, you probably, you know, you're probably actually worth $30 million. And... um, you know, that's you, you kind of begin to understand their motivations. So excellent series. By, oh, from wow. OK, folks, at I love the motion picture stuff. You know, you lo- I think you love the movie a little more than I do, but I love the behind the scenes. Of the- oh, no, 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 no. I think we're in the same place. I, I, I like the movie. I understand what they're trying to do. I, and I think but, but I, think, I, I think knowing that knowing. I think knowing the madness surrounding it only makes you appreciate it more. What yeah. that? No, no, no. no. And, and 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 actually, I learned a lot from this documentary, so I would highly recommend. Okay, I will check yeah. that out. Yeah, okay. no, that that is a great show. So, what is your next uh, TV pick? My next TV pick probably won't surprise anyone uh, once again, but I'm absolutely in love with this series. It is the new series of Inside Number Nine, season six, <laughs> series six. I have still only ever seen one episode of that, I, and it was good. I still, that you haven't gone gone for it at this point. I can even give you a list of three to to try because my it, uh, I keep saying this, and I'm going to stand by it. It is the most consistent slash best anthology series since the original Twilight Zone, and I've seen a million anthology series, but but they really really go out of their way 
to try and do something different each time they push the boat out for a, for a new episode. The, the opening episode uh, for the new series is is a riff on a slight riff on Reservoir Dogs, but it's done, um, you know, it's it's an homage to pantomime, the Commedia dell'arte with the masks and pantomime, which is so, you know, like Puss in Boots and the stuff that John Nathan Turner loved where the kids would yell back at the screen. So the characters in the piece occasionally, you know, turn to the camera to say things that another character doesn't hear or then turn back and then lots of puns, lots of plays on words, just like if there isn't a pantomime. But I mean, they, you know, and, and it's a caper. It's a caper thing about a jewel heist. And it's in, you know, 25 minutes of, of screen time. They're, they're putting all this into it. Um, Steve Pemberton and Reese Shearsmith, you know, from League of Gentlemen are the ones who created it and, and star in oh, it. I love that show. They play, you know, a different character in each one. They're, they're not just writing this stuff. Um, they're, they're playing characters in them. And there's one episode that is one of the best riffs on, um, it's basically a man who creates a, you know, let's say Deep Space Nine or Stargate type series or something. And as the, as the show opens, clearly something has happened somewhere. And he comes into his home and is trying to, you know, clean up blood on his shirt or whatever. And this Uber fan comes to him and says, look, I saw what happened tonight. You know, and he lets him in and he starts to critique everything that this creator's done wrong with the finale of the science fiction show. <laughs> and it's brilliant because it's it's. It's also them commenting on the fan base of the show that is online always saying, well, that's not as good as it was last season. And it's 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 there's so many layers to each one of these. And some are some are even the misses, I would say, are are pretty brilliant. Um, but it's, you know, every season you're ready to get six stories that are completely different than than each other. Um, so it's just six episodes per season. It's just six episodes per per series so and that's yeah, why i, I got to figure out where i found that again because i i don't know if i still have that service i think uh, it, for a while it was on hbo max and then i think they're all on BritBox if that exists mm -hmm. neither of those exist in canada um but i i will try and track that down again very um, very one of the, one of the biggest problems I have is that my wife isn't that into British programming as I am. Mm. Uh, I was raised on it, and she, you know, I forget what I tried to. I tried to put on some Mitchell and Webb the other day. Oh yeah. And she's like, I'm not into this. Like, I don't find this as funny as you do. And uh, that kind of <laughs> killed that. Um, <sighs> You know, um, they're sketched with the two Nazis. It's a cultural problem. You've got to, you know, the, you know, they're sketched with married the, a French woman <laughs> with, with the two Nazis. And and David Mitchell comes up to, the, you know, the guy says, I just got to ask you, I've been thinking about it. Are we the baddies? Yeah, <laughs> I love that bit. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, look at this. It's a skull. Look at my pen. Yeah. Are you sure we're not the baddies? <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, all right, what's your um, what's your number two? Number two. Number two is British. Um, it is a show called and it is on YouTube, but it is a professionally filmed television show. It is as good as anything can be. 
It is a show called uh, Toy Shop on Tour. Okay. And this is two gentlemen by the name of Gavin and Joe. Oh, who yeah. Run a show, uh, run a shop in uh, Leicester, England. Um, and they decided to tour all of the toy shops in the UK. And um, like the vintage toy shops in the UK and buy things. And um, I really enjoyed it. I It came on Sunday mornings here. And it was like my ritual. I would grab a cup of coffee, you know, play with the dog and, and watch this show. And, um, I, you know, I, I've watched shows like Toy Hunter before and, and, and things like that. But the beauty of this one was the two leads, Gavin and Joe, are just very likable human beings. And even though they're dealers, you know, they're trying to buy from these shops so they can flip stuff. But they're also buying things for themselves. And just the eye candy of the UK shops and their joy, like, you know, they're amusing. And the, the two characters are actually quite likable human beings. Uh, this was my favorite program for the entire summer. And I was really sorry to see it end. Are they not doing it anymore? No, it was a limited series. Um, they still do other stuff on there, like where they, they talk about their toy shops. But... The thing I liked about it was that, you know, it was it was that salty and sweet. Like there's points where they're obviously trying to haggle for things they want to buy for the shop. Mm-hmm. And then there's other points where they're trying to haggle for things they just want for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that yin and yang was missing in a lot of American kind of flipper TV shows, you know, like where you, you, you know, said sent me a link you either sent me a link or you posted something and i watched it and i was so uh turned on by these these two guys by their demeanor Mm -hmm. and way they talk about stuff and just those those great little moments of like hey what's in that box up there and then the guy pulls the box and it's like you know action man kits or something it's like oh i sent sent that to you because one of the guys went on about biff bang pow and I didn't. I couldn't find that clip. Okay, may, I swear there's an episode, and I I do want to rewatch the show. But there's an episode where the guy actually talks about one of your items, and oh. I was like, oh my god, you know, like. Hey, then I got to see that because that wasn't. My worlds that... collide. You know, here's a guy actually mentioning your stuff. Oh. That's and great. you know, and, and and of course it's it it's a show I enjoy, and like I said. Um, I enjoyed shows like Toy Hunter, but they were formulaic in the fact that it always had to be about the money. Right. And these guys, no, no doubt these guys are going to make money. But I also believe that if somebody walked into their shop from these other shops, they would give them a deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just had that kind of like that kind of like toy love to it. Yeah, it and I, I heartily applaud that show. And if you haven't watched it, watch every episode right now. Yeah, it was very their their um their vibe with each other is great. Their knowledge yeah. is great. Their excitement. One of them, the one I saw was a guy found a. I don't think it was. It wasn't like Mr. Blobby from 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 the from uh the the Noel Edmonds thing. What, what the hell was it? It was some puzzle of some character. But it was oh, a, it yeah, was, like some just weird, um, obscure character. Yeah, it was, I don't know, it was like Naughty or somebody or, or 
you know, I can't, but he just, it was a complete puzzle and he was just so thrilled to find this I, thing. I love Naughty. <laughs> I always, I also feel like in, when I see stuff like that, I, it reminds me of the UK, like the, the shops that, that I used to go to when I'd go over there that, 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 you know, I would find or, or just the, like a, like a different time because there's nothing like that in Los Angeles. Like you can, there's a couple of comic shops, but there, if you want to, I mean, the way they go around, you know, town to town and just, oh, here's a little antique. Oh, here's a collectible. There's nothing like that that exists anymore. There used to be 20 years ago. There was quite a few. It's, and it's the just, rents. It just, it's, it's, it's yeah. the rents. And, and like you say, they, they certainly have a vibe. You know that, that they're going to flip something, but that's not the point of the show. The point of the show is the journey and they don't get hung up on, you know, I love the haggling too because yeah, it, me too. I, I, especially because it's it's so British. Yeah, and um, the the way they kind of argue is so polite. It's it's fun. I I really had fun with the whole thing. And um, yeah, I I really um, I really hardly recommend that. It, it was a nice punch in the arm of positivity around toy collecting. Yeah, I thought uh, I got to see more of it, you know, because you uh, I think you sent me that one. So I, I got to see. more. Oh, yeah. Oh, fun, fun <laughs> show. OK, so my th- number three, I think we might have this in common, um, is Doom Patrol again. Damn it. That is my number uh, three. Uh, <laughs> just just love it. I love what it does. I love the. you know, it sometimes gets a little um, this season was. Um, I, I think I'm not. So. I'm not all the way through this season, oh, but oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just gonna say. Don't spoil anything. Some of, the, some of the concepts, I feel maybe went on a little too long, but they still are. You got to go. No one's doing this. Like no one's. Yeah. No one's doing this creative or this insane in a show. Thank uh, you. And fucking Brendan Fraser, man. I, I realize it's voice, it. the bulk of it is voice work, but that is acting. That is acting at the highest level, what he's doing in this, in this show. And I just, I think it's like the best thing he's ever done. He's so good. I, at I love Brennan Fraser. So that makes me really happy. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, it's just, a, it's just, it's just, it's a crazy show. And I love, and I think, I can't think of the, some of their names, but the, the whole cast, but, but you know, um, uh, what's her name and what's her name? The two, the two, of women the, who, the lady playing crazy jane and the woman playing uh i think her name is bulby april bulby playing um, bulby is amazing like the yeah. just the, the rhythm of her voice what she's found in rita the way she's yeah. decided to to present her and play her in the way she speaks the it's just brilliant it's absolutely brilliant and and you know jane is is you know she's just goes from strength star of the show um, yeah, yeah, she's, it's she's fantastic. I love her. And still, uh, one of the best one of the best themes and one of the best opening credits. And adding Michelle Gomez to the show. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, you know, I had like, Chef's Kiss. I yeah. love Doom Patrol. Um, so that moves us out of television because we are in a hundred percent agreement with that. And let's go to music. Uh, what? I only have two albums this year that I can uh, talk about, but if you have more, that is cool. What is your top album of the year? Well, again, I'm very biased, um, 
you know, I should probably give something else on this list, number one, but I, I'm a loyalist, so I have to. Um, it's um, uh, it's a, an album, uh, Paul Weller, who is, you know, one of my musical heroes. He's Robocop. Yeah, he um, he had set a date to do uh, a couple of shows with the uh, BBC Symphony Orchestra to sort of re, you know, I forget if he, he did a thing a couple years ago. They did, they did a, a tribute to Quincy Jones and he showed up and sang on Days Like These um, from oh, the wonderful with, with an orchestra. Um, and so somewhere the, the idea popped up like, well, let's, you know, he's got a catalog of songs from the jam, the style council, and then, you know, 30 years being solo. And there's a lot of material. Um, anyway, he worked with the, with the, the uh, musical uh, arranger guy and they were going to put on the show and then it got canceled because of COVID. So they ended up doing it a little while later with just a handful of people there. Uh, and, you know, there's no clapping throughout this thing, but it's sort of rearranging this, you know, a, a, a lot of it, not a lot, you know, 12 or 13 songs out of this massive catalog in a, in a different way with this orchestra. And it's just gorgeous. Um, and, uh, and, you know, Boy George uh, shows up who he's known since, you know, the early 80s, um, does a duet and there's a couple other guests, but it's it's really it's really nice. It's very, it's very much like a, like a film soundtrack. It reminds me of like a John Barry score kind of, because it's, um, oh, wow. John, that's, no, that's high praise. No, there's no drums. So, you know, Paul Weller's there either on piano or guitar There's another guitarist. And then it's all this orchestra, um, you know, changing these, these songs. And it's just wonderful. It just came out, I think about a month ago. It was a great way to, to round out the year for me to get something else from him. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What's your number one? My number one is an album you suggested to me. Uh, Matt Berry's Blue Elephant. Oh, yeah. I am uh, a lover of... I love Matt Berry's music. In fact, I think it it made my top of 2020. Uh, a lot of his songs, my kids never want to hear medicine again. <laughs> but this record is so freaking like I couldn't believe how much I fell in love with it day one. Like you posted about it, and I was like, "What?" Put it on, loved it, and it's been in my regular rotation quite a bit since then. Um, not much to say about it other than it's very chill. It's very good. Barry is an extremely talented musician, and I love it. It's very, um, as I think I said at the. I think maybe we talked about it over the phone or on, on, I don't know when I posted it, but it's, it's um, to me, it's a culmination of all of his stuff. Kind of, it's all, it's all coming to a head on this record. I feel um, like the TV themes one was great because it was just bonkers. And, you know, he would, he had to write some of these, they couldn't find you know, like sheet music or anything or any notes for these theme tunes that he wanted to do. And so they, had to start from scratch and but this one is like all this stuff that he's into is all thrown into this record to me and it's very um it's very kind of psych rock and and kind of a little bit of soul and just weirdness and movie soundtrack and uh acid jazz and it's great it's great i actually got it for for alex and sent it to him uh as a surprise a couple months ago and he flipped he's just played it nonstop. Um, well, on, on that note, with 
Is that, is that was your number one? Is that, we, is that what you just did, number one? Oh, Hello? sorry. Yeah, I, oh. yeah my, my mic died out. No, no, I only I'm have just... two records I want to talk about this year. Oh, that okay. was my number so you, one. So you just did, okay, so I did one, then you just did one, so we're, mm -hmm. now me, okay. Um, well, on that note, and this is something I, I might have told you about before, but I think you'd probably dig this. Um, okay. The album is called De Pelicula, D-E and then P-E-L-I-C-U-L-A. And um, it's this kind of garage um, psych rock band called Limianas. Mm. And this DJ, uh, is it Laurent Garnier, I think his name is? He's been around forever. And they did this record together called De, De Pelicula. And it's like it's like a... It's like a freaking, you know, like like a vanishing point type movie, you know, a soundtrack waiting for a movie kind of. And it's it's each track goes on about seven minutes, you know, um, uh, just kind of freak out rock. Um, uh, you could hear it playing at a club, too. Like you could they did one animated video for one of the tunes and it's just it's just got this propulsive beat um, and some vocals in Spanish and. Um, but it's really something like I have since I got it, it came out in September and there's not a week that I haven't I haven't put it on a couple of times. That's it, cool. It's great. Yeah. You might uh, you might get a kick out of it. I don't know. I'll check that out. And then so what's your other one? Oh, <laughs> that, that's my turn to talk. Uh, Sleaford Mods put out a record this year called Spare Ribs. Um you know, I think it. My daughter describes it as angry British men talking, um, and then I like that sort of thing. And I think she's right. Um, I'm being schooled on all things music by my 16-year-old, who I have raised right. And um, yeah, I, I really do dig the Sleaford Mods, and they have a couple of tunes on this record that are just fantastic. And, um, yeah, they, they, they're speaking to the generation they should be. And uh, recently, uh, the lead singer of the Sleaford Mods appeared on a TV show uh, called yeah, uh, I saw it. Gardeners, I think that was, was called, or what, what's it called? I, it's, I can't. Uh, it's shit, because I was going to talk about the show, but it's not done. Yeah, Olivia Coleman's on it. And, and David um, Thewlis. David uh, Thewlis. It's so good. It's so. It's good. really good. It's really Land crazy. Landscape, and landscaper, landscapers. Landscapers, yeah. Landscapers. And I just looked at that and went, ah, yeah, he's gonna be an actor because well, I, he's so perfect as that guy. Yeah, he showed up, and I'm I'm watching it going, is that Jim? Is that the guy from Sleaford Mods? It can't be. Not him. Mm. You know. And then I looked it up a day or two later somewhere on social media. They were talking about it. Um, yeah, but. That's a great show, too. That is a really interesting uh, presentation, the way they've, you know. Yeah, I kind of dug it. Again, um, I have to, um, uh, you know, I don't always get to watch, like, I watch that stuff by myself sometimes. So, and I'll present it to the wife. <laughs> um, yeah. For viewing on the main screen. Yeah, it's, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's only like 
four or five. I think they've only had three episodes. It, it looks really, really good. Yeah, I, I've only watched the one episode, but I really enjoyed it, and uh, I was intrigued. Every now and then, where suddenly they're talking to the camera, or they, yeah. they move across a sound stage, and you're like going, "Wait a minute, th- what, this is a flashback, but we're going to walk with you to the sound stage and set up another." Yeah, scene. no, I, I kind of I dig that. Um, yeah. That breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Um, okay, my other one um, is uh, the new Wes Anderson uh, film, The French Dispatch, is wonderful. And the uh, soundtrack. In, in well, it's it's not quite the soundtrack. It's they have a <laughs> Jarvis Cocker covered I think one or two uh, you know sort of French pop songs from the late fifties, early sixties. Yeah, Jarvis Cocker is the lead singer of Pulp, right? Yes, yes, Pulp okay. are no but he's been, he did stuff for Fantastic Mr. Fox. He's put out several solo records. Um, but there's a character in the movie called Tip Top. Like, it's like he's supposed to be like, you know, a Jacques Dutronc or a, you know, uh, a Serge Gainsbourg kind of, kind of, you know. Mm. Um, we don't see him, but he's mentioned in, a, in, a, in this segment with, uh, Timothy Chalamet and Francis McDormand and stuff. And then you see the cover of the album at one point, and it's clearly Jarvis Cocker that's been painted. So this this album is a is a, a tie-in to the film, kind of as if this tip-top... <laughs> so Jarvis just covered a bunch of French, you know, pop songs, sort of from that from that era. Um, and, it, and so it's separate from the, the actual soundtrack of French Dispatch. And, you know, it's it's wonderful because... He was halfway there anyway with a lot of his music and his songs and his vibe. And it's um, if you like that sort of thing, it's a terrific record. Oh, and it's called sorry, it's called um, uh, Chanson d'Ennui. I think the town is called Ennui, something in this in the film. And then it's you know songs of, you know, Ennui, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's wonderful. Interesting. I'll have to check that out. It sounds like something I might enjoy. Yeah, I think so. so. Uh, what's your next category? Toys. Oh, boy. You go first on this one. All right. Uh, my number one thing would have to be Mego, Planet of the Apes, and Hammer, Monster Figures. Um, talk about wish fulfillment. They, they, they started out a little shaky on the apes because they wanted to do you know they 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 did some repros and i understand the idea behind just doing like you know cornelius and dr zaius when you're starting because there's a lot of people out there who want a cornelius and dr zaius but i was really kind of you know like what are you gonna do what are you gonna do after that and they did not disappoint they did caesar and general ursus i've always wanted a caesar action figure and now I'm holding the soldier ape they did. It's it's awesome. And the hammer stuff, I mean, that's just an undiscovered country. Everyone's always wanted the hammer license. I've always wanted Mego hammer figures. And they, you know, they blew me away this year. They did a Cushing. They did um, the Reptile. And, and I just, I'm actually doing the review of the Curse of Frankenstein as we speak. Uh, it's uploading to YouTube while we're doing this show. And, uh, yeah, just childhood wish fulfillment. Hammer films gave me nightmares as a kid. And they were also my first horror movies. So magical for me. 
Yeah, it really, it's kind of like one of those things that happened so fast that I, you know, I just was sort of catching my breath of like, really? Mm -hmm. really Hammer's really going to happen finally after all. Yeah. Because all, yeah. all there was. It's like Batman 66. Yeah. I think all we, all we had was the, was the, was the, the Christopher Lee 12 inch that uh, product. Yeah. Somebody could always fart out a Dracula and that was it. And um, like, I think really? somebody made uh, a Cushing and Lee set of busts, and you know that I, was it. I think that might have been Product Enterprise too, didn't? Because mm. they did 12 inch. Some they might have mm. done the busts as well. But like in a very short amount of time, they've done Dracula, they've done uh, Cushing, they did the Reptile, they did the Zombie from Plague of the Zombies, and there's one I'm missing. Isn't there a fifth one they did? Hammer. Could be. Yeah. I think there was like a... Oh, Migo? Yeah. Wasn't there a fifth oh, camera? Oh, uh, Migo has announced um, there's Mom four figures right now out there. Julie. There's the Cushing, there's yeah. the Dracula, there's the, 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 the Frankenstein, there's the Reptile. And then through the Tops deal, which we were talking about prior, um, they offered the Phantom of the Opera, the Herbert Long Phantom of the Opera. There you go. That's uh, it. Plague of the Zombies. They offered the Gorgon, but unfortunately, the Gorgon will not be happening. And they offered the um, Christopher Lee Mummy. Okay, uh, so I saw the Mummy. I, I I need the Mummy and I need the Frankenstein for sure. Yeah. But I haven't been able to find them. There's no rush, but um, the Frankenstein just came out. Okay, I really need that. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's just like, yeah, keep it going. If they can, oh my god, if the the mind box, like, like, what if they did like freaking Quatermass, you know, like, yeah, yeah, no, no, like, or on the buses. Um, well, yeah, that's just you talk about a money maker. You get a, oh um, yeah, by God, just line up for those nickels. Action figure uh, higher. Uh, but yeah, my uh, my friend Sean sculpted the Curse of Frankenstein, and and the wonderful thing about that is for me is um sean and i used to go to horror conventions when we were in our 20s and one of the one of the horror conventions we went to was a chiller theater in new york city or new jersey and um one of the things i picked up was a custom 12 inch curse of frankenstein that a guy had made you know with resin and paint and all that and i remember like being in awe of this action figure thinking like this is the best it's ever going to get we're never going to get an action figure of curse of frankenstein and um not only was it wrong about that thankfully but uh the guy in the car with me is the one who made you know who sculpted the figure <laughs> so okay. that's kind of awesome you know like it's like fandom mm -hmm. yeah oh that's great that's very cool it's all around. You live long enough. You become the villain. <laughs> you become the villain. Um, I didn't, you know, it's tough to do this because there's so many little fiddly bits that, you know, I might pick up throughout the year or, you know, pick up at Amoeba, like a trade-in thing. Like, oh, look, I've got a little Iron Giant figure or something. Um, but I think about things that are just kind of fun or different or there's just, you know, an imagination to them. And there's a um, there's a line of toys that Hasbro does for Star Wars that are called uh, action. There are these little, you know, like two inch tall figures, you know, with little accessories and stuff. But they have these. They're not like super deformed, but they're they're you know they're kind of to scale with the little figures of like 
you know, a TIE fighter, like Darth Vader with the TIE fighter, and there's an X-Wing, and there's a Millennium Falcon, and whatever. Anyway, they made a Razor Crest from uh, The Mandalorian that is so fun. It is such, you know, it's, it's you get a little Mandalorian, a little, little you know, Grogu, like tiny little little figures. And I've actually seen that set. I thought it looked great. It's just the, like at one point, you, you there's a little section inside the ship that it comes with like six little weapons and there's a little wall inside the ship that has little outlines of each weapon that you can just stick onto the wall. Like it's this little armory inside the, the ship, just little, little details like that, that I think are so great and just, just fun for this kind of, you know, I know that Hasbro ended up making a, or they got enough orders to make like a giant coffee table size ship or something that was like $500. But like, you know, this, this, this is cool. This, I love the design of that ship. And it's just like a little miniature version of, of a larger toy kind of. And I thought the imagination was really, I think it's a fun line altogether. Like they, te- they seem to be having fun with their choices of, of uh, little, little characters, a little, you know, speeder bikes and things like that. And, you know, they're half the size of uh, the big ones that they would do. So I thought that was really fun. I had fun with that. Yeah, I was tempted by that set. Oh, there you go. Well, yeah, yeah it's fun. But I don't buy modern toys, but I really like the Mandalorian. So, yeah. Um, yeah. My next one would be Super 7 did two figures this year that I think are just magical. And that is uh, they shrunk down the um, Mattel Godzilla and they shrunk down the AHI Azrak Hamway Creature from the Black Lagoon figures and made them three and three quarter inch figures. Um, the Godzilla, I actually bought like two of because uh, one came in a box and one came on a card and I have no problem ripping one off the card. And it's it's just perfect. It's just a wonderful representation a tribute to the Mattel Godzilla the tongue flicks it's got little wheels it's wonderful mm-hmm. and the creature it, I, I bought on principle because I have been told that Toy Ventures issue number one kind of inspired it um, oh. the folks at Super 7 actually bought the first few issues of Toy Ventures and I had heard through a friend of a friend that um, they were very interested in doing uh ahi versions of their character of their you know they have the monster license and they wanted to do ahi card backs and this friend said yeah your magazine totally inspired them they're gonna do that and i i expected just to see like you know dracula and frankenstein that sort of thing on ahi type card backs but instead Mm -hmm. they had actually gone crazy and made the two different versions of the creatures that AHI did. And the reason I know that I had some level of influence is that the original collector nomenclature for that was female and male creature, which was stupid. And when we were writing issue one, uh, the, the, the group of us went, that's dumb. What do you want to really call it? Because there's no female creature. And we came up with thin waist. No, I'm not sure. Uh, and we came up with thin waist and wide waist creature, and we used that <laughs> in the nomenclature of the magazine, and that is what Super 7 was selling. And uh, 
Thank you, Super I Seven, did. for that validation. That's wonderful. I, I smell a lawsuit, frankly. <laughs> yeah, that's, what am I gonna get? That's your copyrighted description. They're gonna, someone's gonna greenlight a series, and you're not gonna get a dime. You're gonna be like Roddenberry. Yeah. You're gonna get nothing for the Thin Wasted Creature series. Well, that's on. I will get a massive heart attack for my smoking. <laughs> that's very cool. I didn't. Uh, I don't think I knew about the the AHI stuff. Um, yeah. Knew about the Godzilla. That's that's very cool. Um, yeah, I love that Godzilla. Um, let's see. My other one is. Well, I have two other ones, but one is. Um, I thought again the whole modern like you know Mar- Marvel Legends and you know the Star Wars Black. You know, I if it's if it's something like, you know, a really cool like a new Han Solo or something or like uh, you know Lando or something. You know, I'm, I'll probably pick it up. But I don't, as a rule, you know, get all those things, and I, I don't really collect that much anymore, and don't have the inclination or the space or the bread. But every now and then something comes out, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I think these uh, Fantastic Four figures that that um, Marvel Legends size, but on on cardbacks that were Target exclusives, I believe they were Target exclusives, um, riffing on the packaging for the Fantastic Four animated series from 95 or 96. Um, But the design is very comic book. It's not, they're not really trying to, you know, do a duplicate of the animated series and what what those figures looked like. Um, And they're really nice. They're really nicely done. The thing is huge. and they just, they just, you know, they've done the Fantastic Four a couple of times in different, you know, modern outfits. And they made a Doctor Doom as well, which I think was a Walmart exclusive, maybe. Um, but they're really nicely done. They, they're very much like right out of a comic book from, you know, the late 70s, kind of. Yeah, I just couldn't get past that we're going to nostalgia from the early 90s. I, I'm not nostalgic for the early 90s. <laughs> no, but the thing, the, the sad thing is, like, who said something the other day in a, was it a podcast or somebody said, oh, it was, uh, it was Shane Black being interviewed for something. And somebody said, you know, I really, I really, I really dig, uh, um, you know, I, I think the, uh, the last action hero gets too much, you know, much maligned. But, you know, what, and he said, someone, someone else was like, yeah, but the, the original script that you wrote was fantastic, but it got diluted. And he goes, you know, it's funny, I've been in this business long enough where you live long enough and you see things that, that didn't do well at the time come around and build an audience. And so, like, he, he mentioned Monster Squad, which he, you know, co-wrote, and Last Action Hero, and these things that just sort of went nowhere at the time, you know, people coming around going, well, that's actually my, my favorite Schwarzenegger film is Last Action Hero. Well, someone's nostalgic for... We've lived long enough where this stuff is going to come around because, you know, there it's sadly. I'm I'm not I'm not saying that people shouldn't be nostalgic for the 90s Fantastic Four cartoon. It wasn't terrible. It's just like, oh, God, is that where we're at? You know, uh, but that's the beauty of what I like about it is. If you. Unless you really knew what these things like what that line was or that show was back then, you you wouldn't your brain wouldn't go to, oh, look, they're, you know, they're 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 redoing they're they're redoing the packaging for the anime thing. Like if your average Joe like walked down the aisle 
it just looks like a very cool fantastic four action figure line like they have their own action figure line do you know what i'm saying it, do, it doesn't it doesn't they, yeah they, i i get they, you they i really do it does have a uh, um it's still it's still faithful to the comics yeah i, I do agree yeah it just it just looks like oh look they did a somebody's doing a you know fantastic four line or whatever it just seems like it's its own its own thing you know whereas the the spider-man ones that they did you're definitely riffing on that show this seems like it's its own thing and the, the figures are great so i was um i may have gotten more than a couple of those figures and i probably shouldn't have oh i hope you're ashamed of yourself i am very ashamed of myself every day i live in <laughs> uh what now what's your do you have a, what's your next one or do you have two or three i have three um count chocula and frankenberry by jay the toys uh this is a very unusual purchase for me but i vote with my dollar jason and they made these crazy action figures of frankenberry and count chocula they come in little cereal boxes uh i don't need these um but I, I needed to have them, and I voted with my dollar, hoping that Booberry would just be around the corner. Um, I don't know. We'll find are out these, together. Are these the ones that are like, are they sort of die cast? Are there die cast parts or something? No, they're just, they, they look, I haven't actually taken the darn thing out of the package. I don't even know why I bought these. Um, they just kind of looked fun. Like how? Uh, how- how tall are they? About six inches tall, I'd say. Okay, so, so maybe... I'm Which I, I don't even like that scale. I, I actually despise that scale. But, but they're, like, posable. They, they have a lot of posability, and, right? Isn't that the uh, one? Uh, no. Oh, oh, yeah, there's a little... There's a, there's some knee and, and elbow, and... Yeah, there's an interchangeable cool. head, uh, and there's a box of Frankenberry, which is very meta. Um yeah, I just needed, and on the back of the box, they show, you know, Yummy Mummy and Fruit Brute and um, and uh, Booberry, and that's, I, I honestly can't believe I supported this line without Booberry, but um, they're, well, they're vote, pretty cool. If you vote with your dollar, then, you know, you're probably going to, yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to pay off, because you're going to get it eventually, I guess. And then what do I do? Uh, is is that when happiness comes that's when it that's when yeah you can't you've peaked (laughs) you You got a third toy or are we moving on to books uh well it's not so much a toy but a fun thing that i splurged on because um i wanted to give myself a a christmas present Um, i think it's like a yeah i think it's like a little you know mom and pop type business that managed to get the beatles license god knows how but they have these things called magnetiles, um, and it's um, it's like a, a a little box of you know graphic you know colored tiles, uh, different shapes that have these little magnets in the the pieces themselves, and you can build like a three dimensional version of the yellow submarine or the magical mystery tour bus or a turntable with a Beatles album you know on it or a little wall of you know album covers. Um, it's just a fun, it's just a fun thing that is kind of boutique-y and, um, you don't see a lot of new, uh, toyish kind of merchandise, uh, for them. 
Um, so I treated myself and it's really, really nicely done. Very heavy. It's a heavy box and the designs are great. And, um, that's been my, uh, that's my, my one gift to myself. Really. Very nice. I think I've earned it. Yeah. So that, that's something a little different. Um, what you have earned it next, we have, uh, was it books? Is that next? Yes. That, that, that's, uh, books. All right. Hit me. All right. Uh, my number one is After It Ends, which is a post-apocalyptic book. Um, or is it After It All Ends? Now I have to look it up. Uh, it's a it's a it's a book devoted to 80s post-apocalyptic cinema, which of course I am obsessed with, have been since I was a kid, and uh, it's excellent. I just cannot. Um, go on enough about this it picks up on stuff i've never heard of it gives critiques and it actually tells you to reevaluate some of the preconceived notions you've had so it's got all these italian films and well honestly it's it's been a fantastic read for me do um, they you know they cover threads yes they do Still, still scares the shit out of you. Scares the crap out of me. And one of the I put on threads for my wife about a year ago, or probably four or five years ago, because she'd never heard of it. And she's like, "I want to see this." And then she maybe <laughs> turned off. Do you remember? Do you remember? Okay, so when when the day after happened, uh, at least here, it was yeah. the TV event of the. And you know, at schools they were handing out you know, curriculum, you know, know, pamphlet thing, like, like, like class, this thing is happening on Sunday night. Everyone needs to watch it and we need to come back on Monday and I'll talk about it. Make sure you're not too freaked out. And, you know, any questions. And Threads was like, hold my beer. So, uh, yeah, like Threads was like, I want to say maybe six, eight months after the day after. And I remember the warning. I remember it was going to be on uh, you know, the local channel that, that ran the syndicated stuff and the, and the reruns and stuff. And the, like, head of the channel at that point came on and said, just FYI, this is a pretty graphic... This, 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 you're going to poop in your pants. <laughs> yeah, you might want to take a break. And I'm like, well, whatever, let's get to it. You know, apocalypse. You know, and I, I mean, I was like any kid, I suppose I was a little scared of, you know, maybe someone's going to hit the button. Like, we all have that kind of paranoia. But... But you remember that wasn't there was like an SCTV sketch where the kid like asks to have a scary story read at night and it's either yeah. Raymond or, you know, and then when you pull back, the kid's sitting there with like his hair's gone white and it's. Sticking oh, up. shit, I scared him to death. Yeah, um, I think that's that a Joe Flaherty. Um, that would have been yeah. me. That would have been me if like, you yeah, said, turn the TV on, the camera swings around to the front and gets me, you know, full on the front and I'm just white. And I've gone completely, you know, completely dead because it, it, I mean, I watched the whole thing, but it's, it really scarred me because it wasn't oh. just, the, it wasn't just the, the elements. It was, it was this female character that you follow and then, you know, her child and then what eventually, you know what I mean? It just, it was. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's, it's dismal. Oh. It is so unhappy. It's not happy before the bomb hits. No. And yeah, it's so bad. Yeah. But it's in the book. That's good. Yeah, it's definitely in the book. It's not my favorite chapter. 
What's your first oh, favorite her. book? Probably haven't even finished that chapter yet. It's too scary. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give my first, which is, um, well, it's called The Insider's Guide to Inside Number Nine. Um, <laughs> What's you know, that about? It's a, it, it, you know, it is a bit of a phenomenon, this, this show, you know, over there. It's not in the sense of like merchandise or whatever, but it is this, it has become this big show that people are lining up to get on, which reminds me very much of, of Twilight Zone, where people, you know, wanted to be on this show. Um, and there's very little ancillary stuff out for it. There was some script books, uh, an edition that Waterstones did that, uh, was signed by by the two guys that I have, but this is the first sort of making of kind of book that's come out for it, and it goes up through the um, the first five uh, five series. Um, so I've just started to kind of delve into it. I got it from from Waterstones. I ordered, had to order it from the UK. I think it's coming out in America in the next few months, but um, but it's great because it just gives you some background on each one of these and little you know little bits of notes from their you know, their scripts or their notebooks and where ideas have come from and stuff. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's one of mine. OK, um, my next one, if I can find this, is uh, When Dracula Met Frankenstein, which is by uh, Sam Sherman, who was one half of independent and national films. And uh, I've heard these stories before, but. I really love Sam Sherman is a fan. You know, he worked for Famous Monsters. Then he went on to form a drive-in movie company with Al Adamson called Independent International. He was head of marketing for a company called Hemisphere Pictures. And he's just one of those guys that recognizes the idea that, you know, there are fans of this stuff. He's a fan. So, um, you know, his stories are great. And his recollection is great. And I'm glad he put it all to paper. And my friend Rob Pyatt sent me this book mm. as a gift. And, you know, uh, in a trade for a couple of issues of Toy Ventures. And uh, I'm glad he did. I've really enjoyed it. And the big print, especially, very helpful for um, me right now. I can't print. see shit. Um, <laughs> how about you? And the pages to cut out and color. Those are fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my other one, and I have not, I'm only a couple of chapters into this, um, but it is the first, I guess you'd say, official sequel to Buckaroo Banzai. It's called Buckaroo Banzai Against the World Crime League, which was the, I believe, the name at the, in the end credits. It was, page. yeah, 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 uh, so, which I always thought was uh a parody of the Doc Savage, the end of the Doc Savage movie. There's a very similar um, thing, you know, Doc Savage versus the World Crime League. It would it would not surprise me in the least if that's exactly where the idea came from. That uh-huh. everybody, I mean, I'm sure I've talked about it enough. I love Buck Rubanzai. It is its own thing. It is insane. It's better every time I see it. It's more the more the further away you get, the more I go. I can't believe anybody gave them money to make this thing, and they thought there was a possibility. This was going to lead to to more because it's there's a it's, friggin' Marvel comic. There's a Marvel comic. There's some there's a, there's actually a, a collectible book that's come out too, that's like documents every every collectible that was ever made, every bit of art in you know around the world that promoted the, the VHS and whatever. I mean, it's got a following, but it's a very small following. But but this is written by um, 
uh, Earl Mac Rauch, Rauch or Rauch, whatever, whatever you say his name, who wrote the original screenplay. And when you look this guy up, like not a lot of credits in the last, you know, 30 some years. Um, um, but, uh, you know, he what was the other thing he wrote prior to Buckaroo Banzai? It was something significant. I, I'm just thinking of it. It was like it was like a, a, a heist picture or like an, an action. Th- I forget what it was, but he hasn't done much. And so um, it's already a little, you know, dense like the 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 prose is very it's it's a thick book but um i'm looking forward to getting further into it because it's like the official next film um next story of these characters so it you know i I look forward to the filming of that can't believe you know in one of those can't believe it exists moments it's like wow there's actually after all this time another book another story has come out um, so yeah, so that's, that's one of the other ones. Very cool. I didn't know that happened. Uh, the final book that I have for 2021, and I want to get the title is, um, the toys of masters of the universe by our friend, Danley, Danny Erdley. Um, now, now th- may I just, may I just jump in before we before we go there because i'm sure there's a story to this if you you could knock me down with a feather to think that this would be something that would interest you from the off not because you dislike these things but because it's just not really has never really been in your sort of wheelhouse of of interest but i think you're kind of interested in in some of the way that i am in this the story behind it and like how it built up and stuff but is is that what what sort of drew you to it or what what you know what sort of um what was it that's kind of kind of brought you to it um i you know like you i think we kind of exited the toy realm with masters of the universe and um i don't particularly like seeing all the stuff that come, like you know I, I don't ever need to see a skeletor doll again or anything like that but i'm fascinated and i like good books i'm a i'm otaku that way i really like mm-hmm. um toy books and mm-hmm. master of the universe you know it, it was one of the last great graceful toy lines where they had art on the boxes you know and and things like that and um i like dan a lot and I kept reading reviews for his book and while I have no, you know, you know, I have no collection of He-Man, I like looking at toys and, um, yeah, this I, is a great, I, I like, the, I like them. I like the, like that documentary I thought was really well done. And it was, it was because the, the, the concept of the toy line, the, the, the artists they got, the, even the artists they got for the movie, yeah, just did stuff like I'm fascinated with all that stuff like the toys. Me too. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, you know what I mean? But like the 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 artistry that went into it, the conceptual stuff, I think that was that's that's what makes me curious. I don't have an interest in the the line, but I can appreciate what it is. And yeah, the the work. I I think also um, working so hard on my last book, which had a lot of uh masters of the universe knockoffs in it i became kind of uh intrigued and i ordered this book because i had a credit on amazon and 
my God, you could kill a mountain lion with this book. Um, <laughs> it, it really is good value. Uh, it's well designed. And as a human being who designs books for a living, I can smell the work that went into this. And it's just, you know, you got to give props. You got to sit there and go like, oh, my God. Uh, how did they even, you know, this would overwhelm me. And, um, yeah, it's not my cup of tea, but, uh, I have books on a lot of toy lines that aren't my cup of tea, but I, cause I just like, I enjoy looking at action figure lines there. This, this is a wonderful, uh, look at the beginning and end of this, I guess. And, you know, the collector phases and, and that sort of thing. And I have a morbid fascination with the – my buddy Justin lent me – he's got this – I think he's got the big box set of all the of all the He-Man, um, you know, the original run, which which includes – I'm sorry. Of the – what's it called? Like the new and improved He-Man hour or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. Have my you, wife was like, yeah. Have you seen any of these? Uh, briefly in the early nineties, it was funny you, you say that because about two weeks ago, my wife was up way before me and she goes through the YouTube feed and she's like, I just saw something that said he man, but it, it wasn't he man. It's, it's, it's insane. Like, this what, like the, like the, I'm fascinated by whoever sort of got this ball rolling to not only say, we're going to revamp and do something completely different, not only conceptually, you know, but design wise, but like the story and change everything. But the animation, it's like this weird slapstick anime hybrid thing that is just bonkers. It's completely bonkers. And I've only seen a couple of episodes, but it's I'm kind of fascinated with it like this this you know, failure. This, this thing You've that seen did. a couple of more episodes than me. Um, he, he gave me this DVD to watch. But yeah. I, you know, I wouldn't have. I just remember being in the store one time and seeing a box of the new thing, something and just going, what What happened here? Like, what, what happened to that toy line? I thought it was still going. Yeah, I, it, that was a really weird thing. And I, I'm not a He-Man aficionado. Like, I know you weren't. But uh, like I said, I, I'd buy a book. I I buy good books on epic toy lines on principle, and uh, damn it, they really delivered with that one. Oh, that's great. Dan, Dan yeah. uh, Danny's a good guy. Dan, Dan yeah, he, he's also just um, he's also a guy who walks his talk, and I, I really like the dude. Yeah, he's a nice, so, he's a nice yeah. guy. Um, all right, that's cool. Well, my last one um, is um, Paul McCartney, the lyrics, which is a. Cool. One hundred dollar two book set. I mean, it was like 50 or 60 on Amazon, whatever. But I think it went to number one, which you got to give props to that. Like, wow, this ginormous talk about a a set of books that could kill somebody. This thing weighs about 20 pounds, these two books. But it's, um, you know, again, knowing everything about this person and this band, it's still illuminating. And it's as close as we'll ever get to an autobiography uh, from this guy from the songwriter the greatest songwriter of all time um uh so that's been been great to have um it's been a very beetle 
Beetle Fall, which I love. You know, the box set, uh, the Let It Be box set that came out with extra, you know, discs and the book and everything else and the the Get Back book that came out and then the documentary and then McCartney's book. And, you know, so uh, it's been a, a, an embarrassment of riches at this point. Um, those are my books. And then magazine wise, I always get I tend to get like Mojo and Uncut, Empire occasionally. Empire's gotten very thin. I feel like it's on its way out, which is sad because Q folded a couple years ago, and I bet Empire's going to fold, which is a shame. Um, SFX I pick up now and again. That's still going. Um, but the one thing I think you and I both pick up every month um, is uh, Infinity. And... Yeah, uh, that's on my list. I only have two magazines on my list, and Infinity is one of those. I don't pick it up every month because it doesn't come to Canada in that kind of frequency. Uh, it seems to come every other month to my local uh, Indigo. Um, Did you get the one with the with the, about the dinky toys? No, that I didn't. Four page. Thing. Oh my god! Like, like yeah. every time, just I just even if it's even if there's ten stories in it. And two of them are in my wheelhouse. There's still at least two stories that yeah. I'm like. Oh, there's, just... there's times where I look at that and I'm like, get out of my head, Infinity Magazine. Um, yeah. The it's... other one, the other one I really, really want to promote is Shock Cinema. Um, I thought it was going to be Gent. But Gent? Shock... Well, yeah. you know, I'm more of a Jugs guy, even are though you... they stopped making that like 14 years ago uh but i just i I never tired of the joke i i realized that like years ago that i was telling people oh i love jugs magazine and (laughs) like they hadn't made that in forever um air your stereo through an article what's that that's how you learn to wire your stereo up it was an article in jugs i think oh that's right yeah no there's there's a lot of helpful article in jugs magazine (laughs) The child rearing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so tell no, us about I, I, Shock Cinema. Is it are they are they like um, are they in trouble? Are they, are they no, they're they're actually around? they're they're one of my inspirations. There's two inspirations for Toy Ventures magazines, and Shock Cinema and Infinity were them, where they just said things are great. You know, like I was worried because you want to support them because, you know, you don't want them to go down like Cat Fancy did. I mean, my yeah. God. Nobody wants um, Nobody No. Wants and uh, it turns out that um, they, Shock Cinema guy, uh, Daniel, I can't remember his name, Apolaski, um, he did this diet, like this, you know, post saying, we're fine. We're doing great. Mm. And each magazines are doing really well. And that they, 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 those two magazines, Infinity and Shock Cinema, inspired Toy Ventures. And uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm not doing Shock Cinema and uh, Infinity okay, but I, I, I'm happy with, with, with how the direction we're going. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, support your print magazines. Bye what you like and um i think we're going to close this out with blu-rays and dvds um oh, shit. yeah okay you go first I'll, I'll go into mine because uh i can't remember what i bought this year 
And I think you're in the same boat, Jason, where, we, you know, we buy things, but we don't know if they were 10 years old. But yeah. Yeah. I did buy one, and I can ramble on while you try and figure out one, <laughs> from Vinegar Syndrome this month. And Vinegar Syndrome does amazing work, and you should support them. They're, you know, one of my favorite labels uh, next to Grindhouse Releasing and Severin. Oh, my God, I love Severin. Um they released a movie called New York Ninja. Have you heard about this? Um, I'm going to say no, but you might have okay. mentioned it before on the show. I don't know. Um, New York Ninja is a film they found in the, you know, they, they call it the dumpster, but they, they found it like in a film company they bought the stock from. And it, it was an unfinished 1984 action film that um, they abandoned, I guess, probably ran out of money. Who knows? And it stars a guy by the name of John Liu. And the guys at Vinegar Syndrome immediately tried to reach out to him, and he's kind of a recluse now. And when they mentioned they would like to actually release this film, the only words they got back was good luck. Um, the film had no soundtrack. It had no script. So they not only had to create all the dialogue, they had to figure out what all this um, footage was for. Had this film, you know, I, I've watched it now and I was talking to the folks in Pod Stallions about this. Um, had this been released in the 80s, we'd, we'd be talking about this because it is not a good film. Uh, I want to put that out right, right there. Before I even got a chance to go, is it any? That's a lot of. Work. No, no, it's it's a terrible movie. It, I think we'd all be talking about it in like, this is an epic piece of shit. Um, but what they've done here is truly noteworthy. They they actually did make something out of this. They 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 took those elements and. You know, they didn't try to lampoon it. They didn't try to make it a joke. They seriously tried to make a film. And, you know, even the soundtrack is not over the top. The soundtrack is very appropriate. And I applaud them for not trying to mock it. You know what I mean? Like, to make it over the top. Is is there an element to this that's like because this 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 sounds like, like imagine if there was like a um you know a for a, a lost you know uh, uh, David Carradine movie from the you know early eighties mm. that that we had a screenplay by John Sayles or whatever but the footage is you know this sounds like the kind of thing that has is there something inherent in it or someone involved or someone on screen that's like oh and it's got so and so's final performance like like how did this no there's no nobody knows to... the actors in it other than the lead um because there's no credit listings jesus but i can tell you right now like um even though i know the film had no sound you can see that the acting is like on 11 you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, is, it is like, oh, yeah, like, and who knows what this was supposed to be? It's not a good film. I'll, I'll right. just say that because, like, I, you know me, I love martial arts cinema. Yeah. And John Liu, absolutely fantastic martial artist. 
terrible director. Um, because, well, you know, it's got that thing. <laughs> Pardon me? He forgot, he forgot to turn the sound on. He forgot to record some audio. Well, no, no, they lost the soundtrack. Uh, but um, the thing is, is that he definitely knows what he's doing. Except that, you know, action needs to be shot in a certain way. You just can't, like, nail the camera to the floor and watch the New York ninja take out a gang of people. You need to do tight close-ups. Otherwise, half the people in the fight scene are just standing there in, like, this weird non-player character stance where they're, Mm. you know what I mean? Like, they're coming one at a time at him. Mm-hmm. Which is ridiculous, and um, also he's the world's worst ninja because I'm pretty sure ninjas are supposed to be kind of like secretive, and he just keeps like walking into the screen, and people point guns at him, and then they forget they have the guns in their hands. It, it, like, there's no logic to the film, and um, so it's more the effort of it. Like Vinegar Syndrome went out found this thing that was incomplete that never got released etc and the the care they took in putting it out and it's absolutely fantastic what they did with this like i really do applaud them is it the next miami connection no because there's been too much uh care and consideration put into it like where you know like they didn't and I applaud them for that because they didn't try to like lampoon it or make mm-hmm. fun of it. They just went, let's try and make it as authentic as we can. And I got to tell you, we'd be talking about this film right now, but we'd be like, remember that piece of crap? And uh, yeah, like there's stuff in this film that makes no sense. There's a a guy who kills people with plutonium and like i don't know what's going on and that happened to a friend of mine actually that can happen oh i'm sorry about that um no it's funny because because our pal uh ned hastings uh oh i love that a very very kindly sent me a gift for christmas and he got me uh vinegar vinegar um vinegar and oil vinegar syndrome put out um uh, Paul Morrissey's uh, uh, Flesh for Frankenstein. Oh, you uh, watched that? Eh? A two-disc two set, um, and the second disc is is 3D. It comes with 3D glasses, and you can watch it in oh, 3D. Neat. I haven't tried yet, but the packaging is great because it's got you know it's a box with like stitches across the front, and the 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 packaging is 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 uh, wonderful. I haven't gotten to the extras yet, but I can't wait to, to dive into those. I picked up. Um, you know, I was really getting turned on by uh, Severin, you know, here and there on principle. I love Severin films. Then I got that Vincent Price, the Euro, no, sorry, Christopher Lee, like the Euro trash world of Christopher Lee. Um, yeah. That box set, and it is dire. It is just some of the worst shit you've ever seen in this thing. <laughs> um, I was very excited for it because it was like, oh, even if it's, you know, if it's like, it's, he's barely in. Like I think there's five films. He's his screen time is like 12 minutes in the whole thing, um, and, and then, <laughs> then there's that that anthology series that he did the open for, open and close for, in an afternoon with his big porn tash 
this must have been like 74, 75. He's oh. just sitting in a chair doing the open and close. And, he's like, and of course, you know, and they're, they're, you know, they're, I think it was maybe German. They made, maybe there's, there's a made in Germany. And so everything is dubbed. And it just was like, oh my God, it comes with a book that talks about his life. But it's just, I mean, sometimes, so I was going to get the folk horror set that they, they put out. There's going to come out. Oh, the beginning. yokai. Yeah. I'm going to do it. And I'm like, you know what? I, I, sometimes things are just best to go. Yes. On, I'll get to it eventually. Like, like, there's like 10 or 12 or 15 films in it, like three or four of them I'd, I'd seen. And um, some of them are just like, you just, you're not going to really, gl- like there's, on principle, you go, what a great box set. What a great idea. The folk horror thing. It's a very British uh, vibe. You know, uh, they had Field in England was in there, which is a great, uh, uh, great movie. A um, couple others. But I just knew that like some of this is just going to be so bad and so slapdash. And I'm not going to drop, you know, it was like 170 bucks, I think, for that that box set. And like, uh, uh-uh, not doing this. Um, so I'm very picky these days with, um, you know, Arrow stuff I love. And uh, what's the other one? Um, Inter- Intercept? Intercept? That's not right. Is it Arrow and Intercept or something? Arrow or the, is, uh, uh, I don't know the Intercept one. Yeah, I, I'm getting the name wrong, but they do great extras and, and, and uh, packaging and everything. But if I had to pick one, I would say, back to Arrow, um, the David Lynch 1984 Dune came out in a box set um, in several different incarnations. One of them has like a, uh, a steel book. And, uh, you know, they, each one comes with a poster or a double sided poster, or, you know, lobby cards and everything else. And um, I've got it in several formats already, but I was just it's just nice to see something that was so maligned for so long. Again, you know, a chunk of the population has come around to the merits of this thing. In fact, I, I uh, Jim Cummings, the guy who did um uh thunder road and uh wolf uh wolf of snow hollow and this new one that that uh the beta test that's terrific that came out uh writer um writer director and he's in he's in these films um i heard him be interviewed um first off he said his favorite movie of all time is the burbs which i just love great movie is his favorite movie he goes i saw that movie multiple times when it was out i've owned it in every format i love love that movie i'm like yeah that's cool to admit I showed that to my daughter uh cool. not long ago underrated movie very underrated movie um and it, it, it's a great movie and maybe maybe it was i mean he okay so he did he talked about the burbs but david lowry who did the green knight and the old man and the gun and uh ghost story and things like that he was talking about how much he loved lynch's dune because he he, he said you know, uh, I, I'm, you know, he couldn't wait to see the new one, which hadn't come out yet, but he loved the original because of the design and the aesthetic and the guts that it took and the craziness and, and everything else. Um, so anyway, it's just cool to see this movie finally get like some first class treatment, which is very much like Flash Gordon got last year around the same time. They for the anniversary, they put out, you know, multiple formats um, you know, in the UK and here and in a, a Best Buy exclusive and all this stuff for these things that nobody cared about for so long. Um, it's nice to see some some care taken. So that was my number one, probably. Cheers to that. Um, Cheers. Well, there you I go. I think that, that that's a great way to end the year. And 
Well, you know, Happy New Year, everybody. We're we're yeah. really excited about 2022. Let's all uh, we're we're all looking forward to our Soylent Green. Um, I don't know if you know that, but that I'm that's not. actually the year Soylent Green set in. Um, and thank you for all your wonderful support this year. It's just been fabulous, and it's the happiest uh, parts of our day is how many people have really dug this podcast i think i speak for jason myself and i love your feedback i really really do and um we do we uh i love i i you know pay attention to all the comments and love the the uh the feedback on each of these and uh keep it coming because it's um we dig it and it lets us know like oh someone's listening there's an audience out there and and we have a tribe and um exactly really appreciate that you have no idea how in in this day and age and after this many years how great that is for us and we got um episode 100 is right around the corner and um we'll hopefully have some special things uh planned including a telethon here's hoping yeah yeah probably a live telethon fundraiser um oh god yes we please. might get we might get a a, a a a child trapped in a well and see if we can raise funds to get the kid out that could be a fun live thing to do that would be great i'm gonna sing um he's gonna sing mm-hmm. yeah good and stuff michael bolton will be available this will be wonderful um thanks guys and gals and happy new year and we will see you in 2022. Uh, join us in the uh, Pod Stallions Facebook group, or well, I think that's the only place you can really join us. But you know, <laughs> let let's join us wherever you can find us. Yeah, I gotta go walk my dog. Uh, thanks, thanks folks. Happy Happy New Year, everybody. Stay safe. Hang in there. The best I think and is yet to come. Yeah. Thank be you good, for being everybody. you. Thanks, everybody. All right. Take care. Good stuff. Okay. Nice job.